Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Fitter and Faster Coaches Corner. As always, I'm your host, Mike Murray. Today, we have a special college coaches program. Two of the best coaches in the country are with me today. And I'm going to start out by introducing one of my former teammates and an athlete that I grew up with. And these two coaches were actually teammates at Kenyon College as when they swam as collegians. And I'd like to introduce everybody to Danny Corman. How are you, Danny? I'm good. That was my cat, Kip. He will probably make multiple appearances. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Loves camera time. He's learned Zoom very much over the past two years. <laughs> Fantastic. And Danny, where are you coming to us from today? I am currently at home in Oakland, California. Um, I'm coaching at Cal Berkeley now, which has been an awesome um, experience. I'm in year three, so lots of roller coaster experiences thanks to COVID, but it's been a, a great experience and learning a lot while I'm here. So that's where I am today. And we are also joined today with a very special guest, your college teammate, Abby Howard from Princeton University. Abby, how are you? I'm doing well. Season's going well so far for Princeton. What are you guys most excited about here in the second half of 2022? Yeah, I mean, I think the season's off to a great start and the guys are swimming well and diving well. And we have uh, our dual meet with Harvard and Yale this weekend and then IVs and ECACs, which are championships. And then fingers crossed for some kids moving on to NCAAs. That's fantastic. Ivy League swimming, always exciting. Exciting to see those kids coming up and competing at NCAAs and getting into the mix. Both of you coach at two of the premier academic institutions in the United States. That presents a lot of great marketing for you, but it can also be a challenge. What are one of the things that you try to do uh, in terms of recruiting when you talk to parents and athletes and club coaches and high school coaches to demystify maybe some of the stigma that athletes have about, oh my gosh, I'd love to go to Princeton or I'd love to go to Cal, but academically, I'm not quite there yet. Abby, what are some ways that you start that conversation with parents? Yeah, so I will say this is my first year at Princeton, so I've been here for half of a recruiting cycle so far. Um, I think the biggest thing is there's this perception that to be at a school like Princeton or Cal, you have to be perfect, and that's not the case. Um, you know, swimmers and divers spend a lot of their time outside of school doing their sport, and most of them have other interests. And so it's like a well-rounded applicant who excels in numerous areas is going to be far more successful than someone who just has perfect SAT scores or a perfect GPA. Obviously, there are standards, uh, so we can't just be like, oh, we could take anybody. Um, but I think that's a big part of it, and just explaining how it all works once you get here as well. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think that that's such a good sound clip right there for parents to understand that it's their responsibility as parents and athletes to ask important questions. And if you're not sure what those important questions are, simply say to the college coach, we really have zero experience in this and, and we need to lean into you a little bit. And I think for the most part at the level that you both are at, the, the, co the coaching staffs are going to be incredibly honest. Danny, is that something that you experience working at Cal and when many of us think of Cal, especially as athletes and parents, we think of, you know, the premier women's swimming school uh, over the last few decades, uh, along with Stanford and others. And now we see some East Coast schools emerging. But how do you start that conversation with parents? Yeah, I would say similar to what Abby just referenced. Um, you know, I think it's really about as coaches being transparent about what our program is about and what are our values and what are we ideally looking for in, you know, an athlete? And I think it, it's become a little trickier with the early recruiting um, with the idea that, you know, honestly, like you shouldn't be coming to college the same person you are as a 
you know, junior in high school. Um, you should be growing and evolving. And so I think really using the process to navigate that is really important to make sure like once that person arrives at Cal, like they are ready and prepared for what's to come. And that's where I think them asking questions and just staying in constant communication is what's most important to be able to talk about, you know, the important of academics, the important, like, what does our program look like? Um, and then again, what are the opportunities you're going to have here outside of those two arenas? Because I think it's a very holistic experience. You're not just going to go to school and come to practice. Like there's a lot of other things that play into your experience and, you know, them coming in, understanding those atmospheric things that are going to be a part of their life, I think is what's most important and what we found makes the experience most successful for those that are at Cal. Sure. And it, it can be a very challenging and anxiety written process. Uh, as both of you know, former head coaches at, at different institutions as, as you moved along in your careers. Uh, Abby, what I'm interested in knowing is when you have a parent and athlete who are looking to try to fit in to a division one school, what should the things that they be looking for from a performance standpoint on whether or not they have a chance at competing in your program? A lot of college coaches have the athletes look at the conference top times. How do you help your prospective recruits use some sort of barometrics to take a look at where they should be? Yeah, I mean, I think top times are great. It gives you a good idea of where you're going to fit. Obviously, if you're scoring top eight in a conference meet in three events, that's going to make you pretty valuable to any team. Um, and then looking at where the team is, right? So recruiting in the top end of a conference might be a little bit different than the bottom end of a conference and just understanding those experiences as well. You know, if you come in to a school like Princeton and you're sixth on the depth chart, that's a really good place to be, but it also means maybe you could look at a different school and be second on the depth chart. And how does that affect your recruiting in terms of relay experiences and, you know, travel meets and, and those kind of things. And I think some of it's just sorting out what you want your experience to be. Um, obviously every team has a range of swimmers, you know, you have your top tier kids and then you have a middle group and then you have a bottom group and that bottom group might be the top group at another team. Um, and so it's kind of figuring out what you want from your experience and how does the academic factor, the student life and outside of the pool, how does swimming factor in and, and how do you find the best fit of all three of those things, I think um, is important. And knowing knowing the specifics about the school, you know, like understanding what makes Princeton different than some of our Ivy League, you know, competitors. And there are differences between the schools. And I think that's important, not just, oh, I want to go to an Ivy. Like what makes that, what makes us stand out to you, I think is is helpful for them to know. Absolutely. And Danny, when, when we, we hear Abby talk a lot about fitting into the atmosphere at Princeton, fitting into the team culture there, understanding, you know, what athletes might be graduating, what event needs, what distance needs they have from the 50 to the mile. When you look at a power five conference, I know there's a lot of similarities, uh, but Cal is always going to be in the conversation of competing for a national title. So how do you mitigate some of those conversations when you have these athletes and parents asking you those tough questions? Um, I mean, it's a similar approach to what Abby said. Um, I do think like we definitely share top times and for us, it might be, all right, we're really looking for those, you know, conference finalists, but also are you going to be a scorer at NC2As? Um, that's going to be a next level piece, I would say to our puzzle. Um, but again, they don't have to necessarily come in with those times. I think some of the more successful Cal legends you hear about um, are coming in very elite, but they've also improved at Cal. So we're gonna look at their trajectory um, over their, their high school years and really make sure, I mean, this is hard. Like it's not gonna be an easy process. And you know, 
we're really looking for those willing to do the work and not come in and expect, you know, to be number one all the time. Like we really value those that are up for a challenge um, and really want that to be a part of their experience. So yes, times are a very important piece to that, you know, figuring out who's going to be the best fit for us. But I also think there's, there's other aspects and attributes to somebody that we're really going to look for more in the character area. Um, that's going to allow us to know if this is going to be the best place for them and for them to know about us again, so they can figure out if it's best for them as well. That's a great segue because you mentioned character and, you know, both you and Abby did a wonderful job of explaining the X's and O's parts of what's so important about the recruiting process. You were also very fortunate to both be teammates in a team culture that was driven so much towards success at the collegiate level when you were at Kenyon. Uh, you both won multi, uh, multiple NCAA Division III championships. Danny, at Cal, one of the things that Terry's been known for throughout her career is really having the ability to connect with the athletes, connect with them on a different level that's separate from swimming. What are some of the things from a character standpoint that maybe Terry is telling you or the staff that you're interested in when looking at prospective team members for the next season? Yeah, I think there's there's some bigger things and then little things that you can pick out um, with each person. Um, but again, character-wise, I really think we are looking for those that appreciate a challenge. And you know, we're gonna ask them questions of, if your coach were to describe you, what do you think they would say? And then talk to their coach and have their coach describe them and see like, is there that relationship there already to see um, what, pe what, you know, what character things might pop up that are important. Um, you know, again, are they willing to talk about, you know, everybody has great moments, but are they willing to maybe tap into areas they need to improve in? Because that's going to be something that's going to be a big part of their experience at Cal is, you know, we're going to, we're going to motivate you and we're going to pump you up, but we also are going to be coaches that, you know, are there to hold you accountable. And so are you somebody that can accept that and understand that it's coming from a place of, we call it API, like assume positive intent and know that it's for the benefit of the team and for you. Um, and so are they somebody, again, that can, that welcomes that. Um, and again, do they have big dreams? Like I would rather have a recruit tell me they have a crazy goal at that time. Like they might not be finalists at the Olympic trials, but if they're telling me within the next cycle, like that's a goal they have, um, that excites me instead of, oh, I wanna come in and you know maybe stay where they are. Um, because then I think that's where I can tap into talking about what our process looks like. Um, something I was gonna maybe tap into later with some of the questions you sent was you know the idea of like, we are a very process oriented program. And so how can we tap into questions where we're hearing experiences and asking like, what's the success you've had as an athlete? and what stories do they come up with? I think you can learn a lot about their character just in the stories they tell of themselves because um, that's a way you're getting to learn what they value and how they, they view themselves as well. All right, that's great. Understanding value systems of your athletes will certainly help you make some connections with them. And Abby, one of the greatest things I think about a school like Princeton is how multi-talented the athletes who are coming into your program and, and not just from a talent level, but you're getting a lot of student athletes that are interested in so many different things. So what, what have you found to be really uh, exciting as a coach working with athletes like that? And, and what are you guys looking for in terms of character with the, the men that are coming into the program? 
Yeah, I mean, I think um, both Danny and I have been really lucky to to coach at a number of elite academic institutions, and I think that's something that we both respond to, and really we we enjoy the student athletes that have other interests. And I love like the other day I learned that one of my kids runs like he's like the CEO of an electric boat company, and they have like like it's a startup, and I was I had no idea because it's just one of the things that they do, and so I think you know like hearing that stuff is super exciting. And I think if you look at the program in the last three years since Matt, um, the head coach has taken over, like the recruiting has has gotten a little bit more specific in terms of uh, ac- ac- athletic talent. And so it's looking for kids who want to come in and be at the number one institution in the country and who want to take the, the program to the next level and who want to do that well, doing these other amazing things outside the pool. So, you know, we have a kid who's like in the, in the, uh, stand-up group, you know? And so the guys are going to that, like they're taking one of the kids the other day said he's taking a dance class and it was one of the coolest things he's done. And so I think that's that piece of it, of like these kids that are great students with really big swimming goals. And we have, you know, international students that are talking about going to like represent their countries. And then they're doing internships, you know, with Google or Facebook or, you know, other things that I know nothing about because they're so far beyond me, but I just love listening to them talk about that. And then also seeing what they're able to do in the pool. That's great. And it, it must be fascinating as coaches at both places that you're at to just see these kids flourish as they go through your programs and super rewarding. And, 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 and certainly something that I think a lot of young coaches who watch this podcast every week are excited about is your development and the unique development that you both had and the unique journey that you both had. Uh, one of the things that I'm very proud of being on here with the two of you is that uh, after I transferred from Rutgers, when, when the men's team was uh, eliminated, uh, we're all division three athletes, uh, former division three athletes who, who have all gone on to coach and, and had some success and been very fortunate to call this life a career and a career in this life. So Abby, I wanna start with you and your uh, initial steps towards taking your journey of coaching. Yeah, so um, my time at Kenyon like shaped me as a human in ways that I can't even begin to like put into words. And I think I always was someone who was like, pretty sure I wasn't gonna have my own family. And I saw the way that my coaches affected me. And I was like, if I can be that person to one person, like my life will have made a difference. And I think a lot of times when people have their own children, like that's how they like shape the world. Um, and so I look at the kids that I've coached as, as my kids. Um, and I think like my coaches had such an impact on me that I wanted to do that. And I started out as a D3 assistant coach in the NESCAC. And then I was with the Columbia women's program for six years. Cause I thought I should learn how to coach women. I was a D3 head coach. I was a D3 associate head coach. And now I'm back to an Ivy league assistant um, of a men's program. So not maybe the path that a lot of people would predict or chart out for themselves. Certainly not exactly what I had planned, but um, I'm really proud of what I've done and I'm really happy about it. And I, I'm like grateful for people like Danny in my life who, when I called and I said, like, I have this opportunity, what do you think? And she's like, yeah, that would be amazing. You'd be so good at that. And, you know, cause I think a lot of people question like, but you were a head coach and then you step back from that. And why would you ever do that? And like, you're a female and you want to coach men and why would you want to do that? So I think, um, it's maybe not the most, you know, typical, I don't know if there is such a thing in coaching. Um, but, but yeah, like I, 
am happy 97% of the time and stressed, you know, the other 3%. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's great. And I think, you know, for me, I think like the people that I've met along the way have been really important, you know, like Danny and I were talking the other day and I was like, I met you as a recruit and now we're still like best friends. And that's amazing. And like, you, I, I don't know, I don't know if either one of us would have said that, you know, 20 plus years ago and here we are. So it's cool. Uh, that's such a great story. And Abby, talk to me a little bit about having patience with your own process of development, because as young coaches, I think we all think like, oh, I'm going to take this step and then I'm going to elevate to this step and I'm just going to keep on going. And the path is certainly not a linear one. And it's something that we have in common with our athletes, right? We're, we're on a journey that has a lot of ups and downs. So you've been to a lot of different places. You've had great success everywhere you've been. Um, and, and, and certainly we've all had some <clears throat> failures along the way, but talk about how you kept a sense of patience with the process of developing as a coach. Yeah, I think, um, I was really lucky in my second job. I was working with Diana Kasky at Columbia with their women's program. And I was there for six years, you know, I was there for all of my twenties. And, um, if you had asked me when I first started, I would have said two or three years and then I'm out and I applied for some other jobs and they just, you know, weren't the right time. They weren't the right fit. And I was really lucky to be in a place that allowed me to a survive, uh, you know, financially and to learn a ton and like to think about next steps. And then I had the opportunity to go down to Virginia, the university of Mary Washington, which is a small division three school and spent eight years as a head coach there and had some great experiences. And, you know, that was when Danny was at MIT. So it was great because we'd see each other at NCAAs and like, I would be there with, you know, one or two or three kids and she'd be there with a the whole team. But like, it was great because, you know, I could watch her kids and cheer for them. She would support our kids. And um, I think like those, those things help you, like those relationships help you to be patient. You know, it's the same thing if you're, if you're a club swimmer, like there's going to be days that, that you're not having it. And your teammates are the ones that kind of pick you up and like help you through. <laughs> and it's the same thing in coaching. Like you are, if you're lucky and I've been very lucky, like I've surrounded myself with great people. And um, you know, like my college coach is one of my best friends. Like he was, 26 when he coached us, he was an interim head coach my senior year. And he is a head coach at Bates college up in Maine. And Danny and I have worked camps with him for years. And like, like, you know, those, those relationships have been incredibly important to me. And then being, like I said, being able to call people and say, like, what do you think about this? You know, I think a lot of people were surprised when I left a head coaching job to like become an associate head coach, but again, the opportunity to work with different people who I really respect and, you know, have a team that I think is set up to do some really special things this year. You know, we missed the last two NCAAs in division three, so didn't get to see the results of that work. But I think, I think just trusting yourself and trusting yourself to know what's right, even if it's not what everyone else says is right, um, is important. And I think the only reason I trust myself is because I have really good people in my corner helping me do that. Key. So key in just navigating this lifestyle, right? Because it's, it's a different lifestyle than many of your college teammates that go on and and continue in, in all facets of professional life that are so different from coaching. So it's so important to have those key people in your corner. Danny, you know, I, I have to tell you, I, I have always been so proud, uh, you know, just growing up together and swimming together. And uh, you are always super competitive as an athlete. Um, and it, it's something that I saw even when you were, when we were really young, um, but incredibly proud to see your development over the years. And, you know, there's a group of us from the Adirondack LSC that are all in, in coaching at some level right now. And it's kind of neat. There's so many of us, to be honest. Um, but one of the things that, that I was 
so excited about your development is when you were at MIT, the program was solid and then it exploded. Uh, and it was energy, passion, enthusiasm. Talk about where you developed some of those skills. And I asked you a question earlier about what did you learn early on in your career that maybe flipped the switch and changed your philosophy? Um, lots of questions there. Big. Yeah. Um, I would say like, thinking back to what like Abby said, I think obviously a lot of it, you know, is going to stem from my career as a college athlete. Um, you know, of course, Adirondack swimming, you know, got it, got it going. <laughs> um, but you know, my, I would say that like my club swimming experiences, um, you know, we had a lot of clubs where we grew up, Mike, and you know, when we came together as an Adirondack team, like it was just really fun to have that experience and to meet other people. And so I think that's what, you know, spurred my desire to swim in college. Um, and again, it was kind of, it becomes your chosen family. And, you know, I think keeping that in mind is something that's really driven me in my positions. Um, I will say too, I think in my coaching, I learned early on that I really do value, um, you know, the academic rigor <laughs> of being a college student in addition to elite swimming. Um, and those two things have, you know, I would say those are the two kind of non-negotiables in my career path, just because I think I connect most with those type of athletes. Um, and so I will say like when I got the opportunity to lead MIT, um, it was something I, at the moment, I mean, I'm probably called Abby 10 times, like, do I do this? Do I do this? <laughs> um, Cause I was super nervous. And I will say, I don't think you ever feel ready um, for something like that, but it's, again, it's your support system and it's just tapping into who you truly are and just take that into that position wherever you are. And so at MIT for me, it was just really excited. I was coming off of, um, being at Yale with just the women's program. So similar to what Abby said, I was excited again to coach um, a combined program. I'd done that at Johns Hopkins. And I would say like, there's where I learned a great deal of, you know, what it's like to be an elite level team at division three at a very academic institution. Um, and George Kennedy was someone who was amazing to learn from, not just the, the X's um, and O's, but really like what it's like to be a dad and he was going through his daughter's like senior year of high school and so it was this balance of you know giving me responsibility as the assistant and then seeing him be able to you know balance those other areas of his life with being an elite level coach was something that I really really try to tap into even though I don't have the family like George did um or does I don't um <laughs> But with that in mind, like Abby said, like, these are my kids. And so when I got to MIT, like I wanted them to be able to express themselves and be authentic. I mean, they're incredibly unique individuals um, who are incredibly intelligent. So I think giving them the space to be an athlete and have fun with the sport of swimming and, you know, have an outlet from being in class or sleeping four hours last night or, you know, whatever they needed. Like I wanted swimming to be a fun, safe sport place for them um and again it was a place I knew as well like if they weren't improving they weren't going to keep swimming like they have so many other opportunities so it was you know for me it was a challenge of like how do I keep this interesting and fun but also like they need to keep getting better or else they're gonna easily find something else to to spend their time doing um and so again that's where like I as a coach really had to connect with them and learn like what's motivating you and why are you here? And making sure they could answer those questions as well. And I think 
my ability to communicate to them why I was there and for them to be able to communicate why they were there is something that really, you know, I learned along the way because it's going to be, you know, it's going to change. It's a fluid thing sometimes. Um, but taking it day by day. And again, I think at MIT, it was just, they want to be great at whatever they do. And if I could allow that to happen in the pool, like they were going to be excited about practice and be excited about meets. Um, and that's something that I found really fun and something that I took pride in, you know, as the head coach there and just have really tried to carry through. That's fantastic. And the journey is, is continuing, right? We're all, we're all still learning in the positions that we're in and, you know, it, it's exciting to see the things that we've learned along the way and how we're constantly evolving. Abby, some of the athletes that you've had have had incredible success over the last couple of years. As a coach, whether it's men or women, there are days and there are months where we could be in a slump and we're working with athletes who might be in a slump. And one of the things that's been an important part of Coach's Corner this year is learning to connect to athletes when they're struggling. When maybe we've had a couple bad dual meets in a row, or maybe our mid-season meet wasn't where we wanted it to be. Maybe we're even at the point where we're questioning why we're still swimming. We've all been there with an athlete. Maybe we've been there ourselves. What are some strategies that you've used over the years to, to help that athlete get through those tough moments? Yeah, I mean, I think swimming and diving are really hard sports. Um, and it, you know, both of them require so much, so much for so little in some ways, like the hours and the training and the time commitment. And then it comes down to like one dive or one breath, you know, it, it's, it's so close. And I think just being able to like say, sometimes swimming is really hard and that's okay. You know, like acknowledging that and not just being like, everything's fine. We're all fine. Like we're all fine, you know, and, and, and creating, creating, like Danny said, like a place where they feel safe enough to express those emotions and be frustrated and be vulnerable. And I think that starts with us as coaches being vulnerable and, and saying things and just being, being very authentic and true to who we are. I think, you know, the last two and a half years have been really hard with COVID two years. I don't even know how long it's been. Um, and just like constantly getting things thrown at you and having a season and not having a season and missing NCAAs and, you know, kids not having final like career ending meets and, you know, I'm still talking to some of the kids from Tufts that, that are struggling with that. You know, they, they thought they were going to end in one way and it didn't go that way. And then, you know, like I think back on my college career and the, my teammates that thought things were going to go one way and didn't go that way. And, you know, like using, using your own experiences, I think is really important. Being, being, being vulnerable is really important. And then I think, you know, like from a coaching perspective, like having the people that you can lean on when you're struggling <laughs> is really important and knowing who those people are. Um, like something that Danny does that's great and I appreciate as a friend of hers is like she's good at like sending little pick-me-ups you know like she sent me a letter the other day and it had a little card which is in my office and like it's just little things that like sounds that sounds like Danny Corman yeah and they they mean the world right like it's just something to remind you like a it's a good reminder but b it's like a reminder that you have someone in your corner and I think um like we had a volunteer assistant at Tufts, uh, Eva Green, who swam at Cal and she had, I don't know where they are. My desk is a mess right now, but she had little cards that she would hand out to the kids that she got from Cal. And so like, I've started doing that. So if I see a kid that's like, maybe, you know, looking a little down, just being like, Hey, you okay. Like asking, that's a good start. And then, you know, just like a note in the locker or something. Cause it gives them the ability to come in and be like, yeah, like I'm not okay. <laughs> um, you know, like it's, it's about so much more than swimming. Swimming is the vehicle that 
that connects us, but it's not the only thing that they are. And it's, you know, I think you said it at the beginning, like one of the things that Terry is known for is like connecting with her swimmers. I think that's why Danny is great at Cal because that's something she's really good at. I think that's something that I pride myself on and work really, really hard on. And um, like you said, that's not always the case, but you know, it's nice when you have other people that model that for you and you get to see that and be like, oh yeah, like that's a good reminder to me. Like getting a piece of mail was really nice. So I sent a piece of mail to someone else because it it made me feel so much better. I was like, that was really like, I didn't even know I needed it that badly. And then I got it and I was like, I did, I did need that. So. Yeah. It's great to feel that somebody else is meeting you in your space, right? When you come to practice and maybe things aren't going well, if you have a coach there, that's willing to meet you in your space, I think that goes a long way. And, and Danny, is that something that maybe you learned as an athlete at Kenyon with, with Jim and, and Jess book at the time, I think was, was that some skill, were those some skills that maybe you started to see and, and develop as a student athlete? Because I remember when you raced, it was, it's all in or nothing. Like it, it was competition time. So I'm sure you had to learn some of those tough lessons in college, especially competing at a place like Kenyon, where the expectation is, hey, we've got this tradition behind us. If we don't repeat, it's like end of times. So how did those coaches help you maybe develop some of these skills that you'd use later on? Yeah, you know, I think like coach was great at it. Jess was great. Um, I mean, at the time, Amy Williams uh, was on our staff as well, just helping out. She's now the athletic director at Worcester. Um, and I think she, for me, was a pivotal point in my career. I was, I mean, I was a gamer. I hated practice. I was awful in practice. You saw these training charts and I was like at the end of the end of the lane, I had to be in the sprint group, even though I was 200 flyer because I just couldn't do it. Um, and so, you know, in that regard, I think it was just, I had to find my strengths and tap into those. Um, and I knew it was racing and I knew that that's what really brought value to the program. Um, and like Abby said, like the coaching staff gave me the space to like do what I needed to do to be good and not you know, they would push me, don't get me wrong. Like that, that's part of the process as well. And I think, but that's what I've learned too, is like knowing when to push and when to give a little bit. Um, and also I think they did a great job for me of kind of reframing what fast swimming meant. Um, again, I like to make it more of a game. So like, I wasn't good if we did pay stuff and I knew a time, like Amy was great. She's like, just count your strokes and I'll kind of give you like, if you're way off, we'll talk about it. If not, you just focus on your strokes. Cause in a race, you can control your strokes. You don't know what your time is. Um, and so for me, I think it was super helpful for me to just, again, tap into what I could control and then know, know my strengths and develop those. Um, and then be pushed in the areas that I needed, you know, growth in, but also knowing again, like what are my strengths and how can I, you know, amplify those. <laughs> Um, and I think that's something I've tried to do with my current athletes. Um, you know, we want to always keep improving. That's a part of the process. Um, but again, don't spend so much time on your weaknesses and forget your strengths. And then you kind of meet in the middle as average. Like, how can we amplify your strengths and make those your weapon? And then, hey, let's work on this other stuff, of course, because overall that'll improve you. But hey, what are we good at? What's our role? And like, really, really, really tap into that and make that what you're about, I think is something I really learned at Kenyon and I've been able to carry through here. And again, I was given the space to be able to do that and not, I will say like, I came in 
after Abby. So I was a recruit when she was there and she was a 200 flyer. And then I came in and I will, I appreciate it at Kenyon. Like she was their top 200 flyer. And then they didn't make me be the next Abby. Like Kenyon gave me the space to do what I was going to do. Um, and I think that allowed me to be my best. And I think that's a big message we definitely try and give here at Cal is we're not trying to make everybody the next Natalie or the next Dana or the next Missy or anything like that. Like be your authentic self. Um, but again, with the idea that we're going to model some things after what we've been successful in and then amplify your strengths. Well, that's fantastic. And, and certainly a, a cornerstone of what makes both of you outstanding coaches. I want to tap into that a little bit, Danny, because you mentioned something earlier. You said API. And as coaches, we have to have some tough conversations with our athletes a lot of times. At Princeton Abbey, you're going to have those tough conversations about who's going to be on Ivy League relays. And Danny at Cal, you're talking about who's going to be on the A relays and NCAAs. And so it, it gets to be a challenge when you have those tough conversations. So Danny, talk to me about what your API means uh, in your team culture at Cal. Yeah, I mean, I think it's something we'll bump up against every day. Um, you're going to have challenges. And that's where I would say, like you said, Terry does a great job with connection of the athletes. Um, clear and honest conversations is something that we really, really, we spend intentional time on it. It's not something we just talk about, oh, you have to do it. Like you need skills to be able to do it in a way that is not going to crumble your team culture. Um, so we really do spend intentional time, um, either reading books or listening to podcasts. And then we have workshops on them, um, role play. Like we do all of those things. So we, we feel like the team is skilled enough to be handle, handling those things in a way that it is coming from a place of positive intent. Um, and again, it's going to always center around what are our team's goals and values. Um, but if, if someone on the team is holding you accountable, and maybe calling you out for something that's not in alignment with, you know, what are, what we've talked about. Like you need to understand that that individual is coming to you with a place of everyone's best interest and your best interest in mind, not just, Hey, I don't like you. I'm going to call you out. <laughs> like this is coming from a place where we want to be positive and it's for us to grow. Um, and that's where, again, we don't shy away from those tough conversations. We want the girls to be skilled in those for, you know, time at Cal, but life in general. Um, and that's where like that API and assuming positive intent is something that we really, really hone in on to keep our, our culture in a positive direction. Outstanding. I love that API and we're going to steal it at Victor Swim Club for till the end of time. We are going to use that. So thank you very much. Abby, when you're having those conversations at Princeton, I know it's probably from a similar standpoint, but um, you have athletes who who are coming from such different backgrounds and they get to be on a big time division one team. What are those conversations like heading into Ivy's when maybe you have to make a, a couple tough decisions about selection? Yes. Yeah, so that's currently right where we are. Um, and I think similarly, um, you know, I think if you have those relationships with your student athletes, you have your relationships with the, within the coaching staff, um, you can have those conversations because they're not out of the blue, right? Like it's something that we've been talking about uh, since before, like, like, I think this team that I'm currently working with has been talking about this for the last 18 months. Um, the work that Doug Lennox, who is my predecessor and Matt did last year during COVID, we didn't have a season. We didn't have people on campus. The work that they did, like I, people are like, oh, Abby, what's going on at Princeton? I'm like, literally they spent last year on Zoom making this team 
so much better. And they had a lot of those conversations. They did a lot of the stuff, like Danny said, like the books and the podcasts and then the conversations. And I'll tell you what, like Zooms are hard. <laughs> Zooms with, you know, 20 to 30, 18 to 22 year old men are very quiet. Um, and so I, I credit Doug and Matt a lot with the work that they did last year to prep it because I kind of walked in and they, the team was already in a place where they could have those hard conversations. Um, I think COVID did us a lot of favors in that we had a lot of student athletes take gap years. And so our leadership is very much diverse around the whole team. So we have a senior diver captain who um, is should have graduated last year. He took a gap year. Our swimming captain is a junior. He should have been a senior this year. So, you know, we have sophomores that should have been juniors. So like leadership is all over the place. And I think they're able to have the conversations with each other. And like, they have really big goals and they know to reach them. They have to hold each other accountable. And that's huge. Um, and I think the same thing, like, you know, it was the same at Kenyon, like we had roles and we knew what they were. And, you know, it was like, I was never going to be on a relay. And that was really disappointing to me, but I couldn't sprint. And it made sense. <laughs> like, you know, as much as I would have killed to be on a relay at Kenyon, like that wasn't my role. Um, I was going to be the best 200 backs worker that I could be. And I was going to try and score points in my other events. And that was where I wanted to be. And I think, um, you know, like that taught me that as a swimmer and I had coaches that had hard conversations and I had teammates that had hard, had hard conversations and have tried to create again, like an atmosphere where you can continue that as a coach. So the team can do those things as well. That's outstanding to fall back on personal experience and be able to relate that to your athletes, because I think a lot of times, and I certainly did this as a swimmer, you forget that your coaches swam, <laughs> you know, so it's good to remind them sometimes that, that we have a, that shared experience. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm hopeful for in this house and that we're pushing for in this house is, uh, more female coaches and you guys have done an exceptional job in your career, getting to the places where you are now, we're seeing so many more female coaches begin to get elevated to those great positions. So what, what are some advice, uh, pieces of advice that you both can share about that experience? It's important to us here at coaches corner that, we continue to help female coaches create opportunities for them and create awareness, right? Uh, I think there's probably so many great minds in the minds of athletes who are swimming right now, both in club and college, that have the ability to be tremendous coaches. Talk about maybe your unique experience and, and some of the things that you have to consider as a woman going through this journey. Yeah, you can take that one, Danny. Okay, thanks. <laughs> um, I mean, I would say overall message is to be your authentic self. Um, I think there's obviously, they can say these tendencies are more male dominated and these are female dominated. And, you know, I think if you're just true to yourself, you're going to be your best coach. Um, I mean, I think, and I'll be honest, like talk about a shared experience. I think a little bit when I got at Cal, like I fell into that trap of like, I want to be just like Terry. Um, I mean, she is the epitome of like what it is to be a elite female head coach, right? Like head coach, the Olympic team, you know, most NC2A titles, you know, all this sort of stuff. And she thankfully was the one who told me like, I don't want you to be Terry 2.0, like <laughs> be your best self. And, you know, honestly that I, I'm still learning how to do that. I think in every situation is going to be different. Um, but I would say like, if coaching is something somebody wants to do, it's, it's an awesome way to, to be a teacher um, and to make an impact in community um, and stay connected if, you're, if relationships are important to you. 
Um, I think there's just a lot of different things that you can tap into as a coach and just figuring out what, what are those things that really, I don't know, give you fulfillment in coaching and make those what you're about. Don't try and be like anybody else. Um, cause I think that's where you're going to find that vulnerability and that connection with your athletes. Um, and again, if you have those shared experiences with them, you're going to be a better coach for them. Um, I don't think it's necessarily all about, you have to know the latest and newest, you know, technology that's going to make you go faster. Um, because we don't do a lot of that here. I'll be honest. <laughs> um, we're more about being creative and thinking outside the box and like tapping into those relationships and, Abby and I collaborate on ideas, you know, and I bring some stuff that she does at Princeton and, you know, like, I think it's just being able to have those relationships, but overall, I would say like, figure out what makes you tick and then find a way to implement that as being a coach and you're going to be the best coach you can. And that's, that's what you need. I love how you're keeping it simple because, you know, there, there's a lot of women coaches out there that are probably looking for like, well, you know, how did you get your start? How, how did you overcome some of these obstacles? And I think for you, Danny, it's very authentic. Like you just made a decision that you were going to do it and you did it. Abby, what, what was your experience like? Yeah, I think, I think similarly, like I would say, I totally agree with everything Danny just said, like know who you are as a person, be flexible and willing to grow. Um, and I think like the biggest thing I'll say is like, find your people and keep them close. Uh, all of my best friends are coaches, you know, and some of them are female, some of them are male. Like I feel super blessed to work with Matt here at Princeton. Like he, he, it, the way that I got this job was not like expected at all. Um, but like, how lucky am I to work for a male who wanted a female to work with a men's program, who sought that out, who saw the importance in that, you know, like that for me is, is huge. Um, like it, it doesn't happen very often. Um, and I feel so privileged, like the people that I've worked for have all appreciated me as both a coach and a female coach. And I think some people are like, oh, like I, I'm just a coach and it's true, but as a female, you're going to experience different things in this profession. And there are times you walk in the pool deck and there's not many of you, you know, standing on deck at Ivy's or Nescacks, like there's, if you're at, if you're at the men's meet, there's eight women, you know, and that's really, it's a different experience. And I think, you know, like on the flip side of that, like having two strong female leaders, like Cal does, like that's incredible too. Like there's just some really important things that come out of it. And I think, you know, if you can find your network and, and create it. And I think both Danny and I have had great mentors. And then because of that aim to be good mentors to people younger than us. Um, like we both do the CSCA mentoring program, you know, like we have connections with people who are older than us that have helped us. We have people, you know, contemporaries that like we're friends with, and then we have people that are younger that like, you know, hopefully we're helping to grow the profession for females and give them outlets and make it okay to say like, man, today was really hard and be like, yeah, that's normal, you know? And like, that doesn't mean it has to be all females only supporting females. Like that's, that's part of it. But I think like Danny and I both love what we do and feel really lucky that this is what we get to do most of the time, even when it's overwhelming and hard in the days that you're like, what am I doing? Like, you know, when it comes down to it, we've been in it for 15, 20 years now. Like, we, we clearly enjoy what we do. We could have left and we haven't. And I think, um, you know, I look at some of the younger people in coaching, like men and women, like we have a great volunteer here and I, I hope he sticks with it, you know, like, because he's good. And I watch him interact with our guys and I'm like, man, like they love him. They love Austin. Like it's, it's great to see that. And it's fun to be like, oh yeah. I remember when it was 
like our first year and remember how exciting everything was like ordering lunches was the best thing ever. Um, sometimes I have to remind myself of that. Cause like at 41, I didn't know that I'd be still ordering lunches, but you know, like the kids say thank you. And it really makes a difference. So I don't know, be yourself and, and find your people. Absolutely. And, and, you know, the, the two of you and the leadership that you share is going a long way. And I, I certainly am looking for ideas of how to make you uh, visible assets and a part of ASCA. So, you know, we're changing ASCA around. It's a new place. And I think you guys could both be super helpful. And I'll, I'll definitely reach out to you both for that. Um, the last question that I want to ask you all is Division Three was an incredible part of our experience and our journey as coaches, um, even though my stepdaughter is at Denison. Um, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, I, I will... Uh, I will uh, ask you both why the Division Three experience was important to you. For me, it was, you know, I, I transferred from a Division One school. And for me, it was, okay, now I have the opportunity to be an All-American, which I probably wouldn't have had. And I got to rock climb and do everything in the Adirondack Mountains that I never would have been able to do swimming Division One. I got to travel. I got to do internships. Um, and so, and I still got to go a lot faster as an athlete. So let's start with you, Danny, and, and then Abby will finish up with you. Um, I mean, I think similarly, I think, you know, I looked at some division one schools. I wasn't fast enough out of high school, um, to be at an elite, like Cal level school. Um, so I just, again, I, I'm fortunate. I had people in my life that allowed me the space to kind of look at different schools. I looked at Denison, I looked at Kenyon. Um, you know, I looked at, trying to think where I went, like Villanova, Lehigh, like I looked at some other um, division one schools too. Um, but again, I think overall for me, like once I stepped foot on campus, I was like, when am I ever going to like get an opportunity to be in rural Ohio and, you know, this team, like it just felt like family, like right away. And so I think, and they were successful in swimming. So I, I just kind of had, and I think that's where I've kind of taken my coaching too, is like, I had some things that I was like, these are kind of my non-negotiables. Um, and where do I feel the most at home? And for me, it was at Kenyon where I could have all these different experiences. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to study and I had the opportunity to do liberal arts. So like, it just kind of like checked a lot of the boxes in the bigger picture. Um, and then again, overall, I think it was just the fit and the people. Um, and again, I could test, like I'm still friends with Abby 20 years later and a lot of the Kenyon coaches I, I still keep in contact with. So it was just for me, yes, fast swimming was important and yes, academics were important, but I think ultimately the people were what really drew me to that D3 experience. And I could be an elite level national champion there. And one heck of a great degree coming yes. out of Kenyon college. Uh, Abby, how about you? Yeah, I, the same thing. Um, I had a very weird list of schools. I grew up in New England. Uh, so the Ivies were on my list. Syracuse was on my list and Kenyon was on my list because my parents are from Ohio and they kept pushing me towards it. I've been on campus twice in the summer and I was like never going to school here this place is terrible and they forced me to go on a visit and I went in April of my senior year and I called my mom within 10 minutes of being there and I was like I'm going to school here uh and it was the people it was it was meeting the people that were going to be my teammates and my best friends um you know and the coaches and you know Jim Steen sold me on the fact that I look good in purple and orange was not a great color for me so here I am struggling to wear orange um but yeah, I wanted to be great and I wasn't good enough to be great at the D1 level. Um, and so ultimately it came down to like, where can I do all the things that I want to do 
and do them at the, the to the best of my ability. Um, and like it, yeah, it was cool getting calls, you know, being like, oh, we're at NCAAs. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like that, that sounds like something I would like to do. Um, and like, they're clearly, again, the, the people pe part of it, like they're clearly my people because so many people that we swim with went into coaching. Like we have so many similarities still, um, you know, and it's, it's really fun to like, I mean, D3 NCAAs is like a Kenyan family reunion. And it's not even necessarily people that you swam with. It's just people who had the same experience and had that shared experience. And I think um, that's something that I always like am jealous of when I see like a lot of Cal stuff is like that family experience that they have. And like, you know, it could be someone who graduated in 1982 and someone who graduated in 2002 and someone who graduated in 2020. And they have that shared experience. And I think that's what Kenyan had and, and sold me on it and, and what we're trying to create here. And I think it exists because there was, you know, the same coaches for years and years. So now that we're new coaching staff trying to continue that through. Yeah. You, you really hit on that and, and feeling like a part of that school's family. I, you know, we were fortunate for our kids to have that at, at NC state and at Denison and it goes a long way. I mean, that they, they travel together, they tailgate before the, the meets. Um, it's really a unique experience, but you know, here we are three coaches, 20 years later and uh, all coming from division three backgrounds. So, you know, parents, you, you definitely got to put some of those schools on your list and, you know, your, your, your student athletes might be better off for it in the end. Danny, you know, what I want you to do is I want you to hold up that uh, Adirondack LSC 94 shirt, because that was a heck of a good year. I think I might've won <laughs> a 50 fly or something at zones that year. That was a long course meet. So yeah, I'd probably, uh, I was 13, maybe some, something around there, but uh, it, it's been super fun to watch you ha have success. And Abby, it's, it's great to finally meet you, certainly seen you around um, and uh, really looking forward to sharing this episode next week with everybody. And, and ladies, good luck to you and, and your season. Feels like we're almost in a normal competitive championship year. So I wish you guys all the best of luck. And how can people get a hold of you if, if they want to ask questions or they're interested in maybe learning more about your experience? Yeah, I mean, my info is all on the Cal website. So feel free. Um, you can, best way is probably email, um, but my email should be on there. Um, if not, it's just DM and then my last name, Corman at berkeley.edu. So happy to help. Awesome. I mean, I was going to get my cell phone number to everyone, but I guess I'll just go with email as well. <laughs> uh, my email is on the Princeton site and it's just my first name dot last name at princeton.edu. And like, I don't, I don't want to speak for Danny, but like, I, I am happy to talk to anyone who has questions, whether it be about like college coaching or the college recruiting process. Like, I think we both very much believe that like, this is the best, should be the best experience of your life. Like when you're looking at colleges and swimming in college and like anything that we can do to help, I will speak for Danny a little bit, anything that we can do to help, we're happy to help. <laughs> yeah. And I will give a plug. I have had multiple coaches I've never met reach out and just ask questions. And I think that's the best way you're going to learn. So like Abby was saying, like, find your people, like we're happy to help. And if we can be someone's person, like we're, I think that's where I'll speak for you, Abby. We are both, <laughs> I would say more than willing to either help you figure out or answer questions or just be a sounding board. So please don't hesitate reaching out. Fantastic ladies. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you.